Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired NYPD sergeant, and with me today, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. No pot of sauce today. It's my wife's anniversary, <laughs> so we gave her a break. The sauce is on hold for today. Well, happy anniversary, 24 you, years. That's that's fantastic. Yes, thank you very much. Not many people make it that far, but you're... Uh, you're going to make it all the way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, you know, one of the, one of the uh, things I want to talk about, it's big in the news right now. And, you know, everything old becomes new again, you know. And because in the month of February, crime was up almost 59% in New York City with the seven major crimes, that the police commissioner, along with Mayor Adams, decided, uh, and along with the chief of department, Kenny Corey, decided they had to do something about it. And what they did is they dusted off an old theory, and that's uh, they want to go after quality of life crimes. Uh, the theory being that quality of life crimes will have an effect on overall violent crime, violence, robbery, uh, you know, burglary, of course, shootings and murder. And that's a theory that has been proved. And then, you know, what what gets me is that you get a lot of these academics and these progressives that point, they go, these are failed policies. You know, Phil, I have a uh, the CompStat statistics from 1990 when these failed policies first started. In 1990, there was 2,262 murders, all right? In 2021, there was 488. That's like a drop of almost 80%. I mean, just, just that single category of failed policing, failed policy, tells you that it works, that it it absolutely works. When they're coming up with these ridiculous ideas that it doesn't, these are failed policies from the past, I think these people need to have their heads examined. Because I don't know where they're getting, you know, where they're getting their, where are their statistics coming from? I'm glad you brought up statistics, Billy, because I'm a guy that's very fact-based. And the fact of the matter is, you just pointed out, the statistics show that whatever policies were in place prior to 1990 weren't working so good, and or not so much 1990, early 90s. But once we got the policies enacted under Giuliani, obviously Bill Bratton, Jack Maple, uh, these were the architects of the broken windows policies, and crime had a significant decrease. Now, you brought up uh, Chief Corey. Now, Chief Corey, I saw a press conference yesterday. He was literally outraged at the fact that a three-year-old girl has been shot in the last couple of days. Many others have been shot. And it seems like that the people that are in the right places, like the chief of department, uh, 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 the mayor, who's an ex-policeman, uh, police captain, uh, they understand what is going on in the city and they understand what needs to be done. Now, with the help of the public and the help of the prosecutors, we can turn these things around and we can have safe streets where a three-year-old girl coming out of daycare doesn't have to dodge a bullet. And this poor kid didn't dodge it. The, the poor kid was shot. And it's just outrageous. And you could see the outrage in Chief Corey's demeanor when he was given that press conference. He was outraged. It's it's ridiculous. A, a three-year-old girl is not safe coming out of daycare. I mean, come on. So, uh, you know, the, the policies of broken windows have worked before. The, these people that come up with these crazy, uh, you know, anti-broken windows policy, 
They don't know what they're talking about. And like you said, where are their statistics? Where are their facts? Show it to me because if no, you show Phil, me, they, they make them up when they don't have them, they simply make them up. Exactly. I want to play a little bit of CBS news um, on this. Uh, they spoke about it. Well, Dick and Christine, the new police commissioner is not calling the new program Broken Windows, but she might as well be calling it Broken Windows 2.0 because uniformed cops are now being ordered to crack down on what she calls the precursors of violence, public drinking, public urination, dice games that lead to disputes, even unlicensed and unregistered drivers. She's following through on a promise made by Mayor Adams to make sure his NYPD was not the NYPD of his predecessor, Bill de Blasio. Cops did not feel encouraged to deal with the quality of life issues. You can't run a city where people can walk into a store, take whatever they want off the shelves and walk out and no one is responding. That's not that's not acceptable. On the day he took office, standing in front of the 103 precinct in Jamaica, Queens, where he was arrested and beaten as a teenager, Mayor Adams promised he would make a difference in the lives of New Yorkers, make the streets safer. Today, he took another step towards that goal as his police commissioner announced a new quality of life crackdown. You Uniform cops often acting on community complaints who will go after the kinds of crimes that often lead to bigger crimes, crimes that were reportedly ignored under former Mayor Bill de Blasio and grew proportionately. For example, so far this year, there have been 3,193 complaints of drinking on the street, compared to 1,552 from the same period in 2019. 9,013 complaints about loud parties compared to 3,339 in 2019. There has been a 139% increase in 911 calls reporting knives in the transit system, a 71% increase in reports of drug sales in the subway. And in her very first interview with CBS2, Commissioner Sewell said she would address quality of life crimes, including turnstile jumping. Turnstile jumping, in and of itself, it may seem like it's benign, but what is the underlying issue here? If we're talking about shoplifting, is the person hungry? Is there another problem that can be addressed through social services? Now, the plan was immediately criticized by the Legal Aid Society, which predicted it would end up sending more minority residents to jail. A spokeswoman calling it a botched opportunity for Mayor Adams to address the root cause of crime, one that will, quote, set our entire city back decades. Live you know, one of the things that is, uh, is disturbing in the way these progressives go after things, they always paint the picture uh, with race all the time. And the reality is that most of the violent crime are coming in, are happening in the communities of color, who also, the citizens that need the most help to avoid these violent predators that are on the street. We just had an incident in Brownsville where a, a guy shot a three-year-old kid. I mean, she wasn't the intended target, but nonetheless, he, I'll, I'll just play a little bit of that. Nonetheless, he shot her. And it's like, what do these... Uh, these people from ACLU and these other progressive, what do they need to happen when they realize that their plan, they have no plan really, but let's, let's, let's show a little bit of this and see what they say. Police say this is the lone gunman who opened fire outside of the Creative Minds daycare center. His hoodie bearing the words waves on the back. Police say he's also wearing black jeans. Police say the suspect fired several shots at a 28-year-old man who was placing his two-year-old son in the back of a car. A single bullet struck a three-year-old child in the shoulder who was walking on the sidewalk with her father. Someone knows him. Help us catch him before he shoots another child. 
Police say it happened on Riverdale Avenue between Amboy and Thomas Boyle Streets. The suspect fled in this four-door white BMW driven by someone else. When do we come together as a community and as a city and say enough is enough? An 11-month-old child was shot two months ago. Last week, a seven-year-old child was shot. Again, police say the three-year-old and her father were not intended targets. And police say she suffered non-life-threatening injuries. This while, police also tell us there's no description of the driver of the getaway car. Reporting from... So the, the two-year-old and her father, the father of the two-year-old was the intended target, but instead the shooter hits a three-year-old who's not the intended target. So he had no problem shooting at the father of a two-year-old who was putting his two-year-old in the car. So this is this is ludicrous when these people say the failed policies. No, you need police in these communities taking guns off the street. And when I hear these progressives, it just really makes me sick because they, first of all, they have no clue about what they're talking about. Billy, that was the exact story that I was referencing. I mean, and you can hear in Chief Corey, and I have to applaud Chief Corey and Commissioner Sewell. I mean, they really are. Uh, I got great reviews from people that I know in the, in the hierarchy of the department about both of them. Uh, they know what to do. Uh, I'm going to applaud uh, Mayor Adams as well. It sounds like they really want to attack the problem. Now, Based on uh, the last couple of incidents where they talked about that they were going to, uh, you know, crack down on these quality of life crimes, um, there was a young Asian girl from the ACLU, and she gets on and she says, well, these policies have failed and they're going to target the minority community. The minority community is what's being targeted by these gangbangers with guns. This is the minority community that was attacked in this incident and many other incidents. So again, we need to address it. And if it starts in minority community, then that's where the, the uh, uh, you know, enforcement has to be. And listen, throughout the city, there shouldn't be uh, turnstile jumping allowed anywhere in the city. We've talked about it before that a lot of these thugs that go on the train to commit robberies and purse snatches and chain snatches or do whatever criminal activity in the subway, they don't pay their fare. So if we address that as a starting point, we have now major, major impact on the crime in the, in, in the subway. We're attacking it. And again, we've talked about it where a lot of times these guys that are carrying knives, carrying guns, carrying drugs, they're on the subway. They don't pay the fare. If you can stop them and arrest them, you possibly could arrest them and prevent a, a, another crime. Uh, a, a gun on the subway is not a good mix. You know, if you put people on the subway and you have some thug carrying a gun, it's just going to lead to, it's a recipe for disaster. So again, let's applaud them. They really know what they're talking about. Let's support them. Let's get behind them. The ACLU, listen, the young lady that was, that was talking about that probably wasn't even born in, in the nineties when all of this stuff was going on and, and we, we addressed it and you and I lived through it. We, we were veterans of it. We, were active in those days and, and, you know, saw the, the results that come out of these policies. This girl wasn't even born and she's going to come out and make a statement like that. It's ridiculous. Come on guys, let's get on the train and let's support the police and let's turn the city around. It's, it's enough. And then this can spread throughout the country. If it works here, it'll work throughout the country. And maybe we could go back to a civilized United States. We know it's work. New York city was the test case for this. Exactly. Because these progressives don't like the fact that people, the criminal element, their their feathers are being ruffled 
they 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 make a blanket statement the failed policies what how is crime going down 78% in murders how is that failed policies i want to play something with tiffany pagan who actually ran for queens da talk about someone being clueless she's talking about oh, let me let me show it to you i, I let her speak for herself she's going to go i'm going to put her on the screen she was interviewed here policing strategies over two decades, right? Like going back to, to Giuliani uh, era even. We know that in the past, um, these units, they were disbanded because of the violence that they caused in our communities, and they weren't really all that successful in reducing gun violence, right? But what they are known for is roughing up black and brown kids, throwing them against walls into streets, making low-level arrests that feed into the pipeline to, to Rikers Island. And that doesn't make us safer. But we do know where the evidence lies that does make us safer. We have a, an amazing crisis management system, um, groups like CCD, Life Camp, Man Up, and these violence interruption groups, they reduce gun violence by upwards of 80%. Those are- I, I, I got to stop right there. Where does she get that statistic? Where? She just made that up because I, there, that is a no academic report. It is in no FBI crime statistics. She just made up that that whole thing. Every, come on the show. I wish she'd come on the show and tell me where she got that from. Let, let's have her on the show and we'll have a debate about it. But everything she's saying is absolutely false. And these, uh, uh, when when anti crime goes into a minority community or a black and brown community, and they're taking them guns off the street, they're saving lives of black people and Hispanic people and and white people and Chinese people and everyone. They're saving those lives. Come on, guys! A little three year old girl can't come out of daycare without dodging bullets. This and, and we're gonna have this. I don't want to use disparaging terms, but this person that's making up lies, talk about that it doesn't work, it's a failed policy, come on. Nonsense. We don't see them being funded to a greater degree in the preliminary budget. So that's Defund. a lot of uh, what we're fighting for right now. You know, at a, at a recent hearing um, with the NYPD president, I asked, uh, you know, where's the evidence that plainclothes policing, modified plainclothes officers would achieve the public safety outcomes we all need and deserve. And I also asked what evidence there was that this additional seven-day training that they were given would achieve the outcomes and, and reduce the unit's historical violence. And the department could not provide any. So, um, you know, we're talking... Yeah, go ahead. So, no, Councilwoman, uh, we totally understand we don't want to see anybody's, you know, um, personal space being violated, of course. But that also goes for the victim. Because it, in Queens, in your, your borough... Crime has gone up 60% in the last year, 60. So you know, no answers for that. She has no, absolutely no answers for that. Queens, your neck of the woods. He says that uh, he thinks the reason for the rise in crime has to do with the anti-defund, the, the police rhetoric that's been going on. And, you know, I was looking over some of your past comments, Councilwoman, and you were actually selling swag that says defund the police. So, you know, my response to that is we absolutely are experiencing an increase in harm. Now, we are seeing in different categories that they are going down more recently in this moment, but we have to look at the larger context. This is happening everywhere across the country, and it happens historically when we experience um, economic crisis, like we have been, right, like deep destabilization, like we have been during this pandemic. And what I'm saying is that outcomes matter. Do you see that? That's who she is.
Disgusting. That's who uh, Tiffany Caban is to fund the police because all of her friends are violence interrupters. She well, wants also, the money to go to them. Also, by the way, uh, backed by George Soros, made a big uh, campaign donation to her when she was running it for Queens DA. And she she lost the race in a the narrowest of margins. Yes. This is what we have in New York City as district attorneys. Pathetic. Right. We want to do what works. I think that we can all agree. On I know, that, but that don't you think the last we're saving lives? But don't you think well, the last well, two years where we kind of saw the police sit back, bail reform right. took over, uh, that anti-gun uh, police unit was taken off the streets. Mayor de Blasio did that. And then we saw crime really go up. And and Councilman Bob Holden thinks that, you know, maybe you're part of the problem with the rhetoric. We just saw the sweatshirts yeah. that you were saying. Go get him, Rosanna. We haven't defunded the police, right? Um, we currently have more money for our police than the entire Ukrainian military. We have more money for our police department than most countries do for their militaries. So, so what does that mean? We're the largest city. We need the police. We need the, the, to, to fund the police. We don't need violence interrupters that don't work. She also leaves out that a billion dollars would cut from the NYPD budget by Bill de Blasio. So she's leaving that out. She's full of baloney. Yep, absolutely. To the incredible violence interruption groups in our our city, right, where they are literally reducing gun violence by 80%. And they're begging for the funds. I I, I just just can't believe they let her get away with throwing that statistic out there. where, Where did that statistic come from? She pulled it out of thin air, Bill. That's where it came yeah, from. she did. Absolutely. I've seen it nowhere. I've seen it nowhere in the police statistics, but she pulls this violence interrupters. Really? And who are these violence interrupters? Are they trained social workers or are they former thugs that need a job and need money? Unbelievable. And their catchment areas. And so I say if it saves lives, it is absolutely worth doing. And I want to point out that that plainclothes unit, right, that function from 2000 to 2020 for two decades, they accounted for nearly 5% of the police force, but they committed over 30% of police murders, but, including the murder. Oh my God. Oh, you know, oh, I got to say something about man. that. First of all, anti-crime confronts or confronted because they don't exist anymore. The most violent perpetrators in the city, the gangbangers, the shooters, the armed robbers, and she's talking about police murders. These are justifiable shootings they're involved with. And here she is. She's using rhetoric and language that is so divisive. Disgusting. Totally. Murders of Eric Garner, Sean Bell, Ramarley Graham, and more. And so we need to make sure that we are getting to the root causes of violence and then addressing them with the tools and the personnel that are actually going to work. All I care about is outcomes. What is going to work? And And All right, that's a little bit enough of her, I think. You know, uh, to me, just absolutely clueless. Uh, This is what we have, though. She's somebody that's uninformed. She's somebody that's uneducated on, uh, you know, on law enforcement uh, uh, crime statistics. She's AOC 2.0, in my opinion. She's backed by George Soros. She's a radical. Uh, It's everything that she said was absolutely incorrect. And Rosanna really... She drilled down when she said in the last two years when we saw that these units were taken on the street and crime shot up. I mean, it's common sense here. And, and listen, most people with common sense realize that you need the police. The funding the police is ridiculous. And she's talking about the budgets of Ukraine and this and that. 
we have, uh, listen, in our time on the job, there was between 38,000 and 40,000 police officers down to about 34,000 right now. And that's only because they can't hire anymore because nobody wants to be a police officer in New York City. So when you take those numbers and you put a budget to it, of course, the numbers are going to be statistics. We're the largest police department in the, in the United States. Uh, so, you know, she's using uh, uh, like smoke and mirrors to come up with these statistics. It's baloney. It's a point that's really uh, makes no sense at all. Let's talk about what we talked about, statistics, facts. Let's, let's talk about that. And any incident where a person is killed in, in uh, you know, the police, uh, a police incident where a person is killed, it's tragic. And there are uh, checks and balances in place that will examine, will investigate. And if there are something that was done incorrectly, and these are split-second decisions, and you and I both know about that, Billy, the split-second decisions. Uh, I've been involved in two gun battles. I'm sure you've been involved in many, many things where decisions are made in a split second. And listen, of course, we have to have law and order as well as the public, as well as the police department. But in these incidents, they are uh, looked at, and let's let the system determine whether or not they are justified or not, not inflate uh, racial tensions and inflate rhetoric into it and cause all this, uh, uh, you know, unrest in the city. Let's keep things calm. But we have the bigger picture here. The point is we have to bring crime down. A kid can't come out of daycare in the middle of the day without being shot, dodging bullets. Come on, guys. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. You know, folks, just some of you guys that aren't in the police world, when they talk about concentrating on uh, quality of life issues, they're talking about dice games on the street. A dice game on the street may seem innocuous. But when people play dice on the street, what they usually do in tandem with that is they drink. And when they start losing their money, they start getting mad. And alcohol, losing money equals someone getting shot. And that's what usually happens if the police don't break up, if not shot or an assault. Uh so that's one of the reasons that's a low-level crime, but that's why police break up dice games. The other thing is, uh, of course, open containers, um, urinating in public. Of course, they mentioned jumping the turnstiles, uh, blocking the sidewalk. You know, people, older people get intimidated, and they can't go to their homes if the sidewalks are blocked. So these are lower-level crimes that affect people trying to go about their everyday lives. and. This is what they want police officers now. And as I said, this is taking something old and making it new, putting a new name on it. But it's still called quality of life enforcement. And it actually, it, it works. And no matter what these progressives say, who have no clue about police work, they just spout forth left-wing rhetoric. Uh, they have Billy, to be called out on think about what you said. You, you really laid out a really good picture to show where it starts. If, if you have people shooting dice on a corner and in the old days, nobody was carrying a weapon shooting dice. Now they're carrying knives, they're carrying guns. And again, you put alcohol into the, into the mixture. Now there's a, a level of, well, I'm losing my money. The guy's a little drunk. He starts to think, well, maybe this guy's cheating or something. Next thing you know, you have a shooting or a stabbing. And, it's not only that you pointed out the urinating in public. Who's urinating in public? Usually it's something that's drinking heavily. And, you know, the guy go to the bathroom. I'm not going to go to a bathroom inside of a, a McDonald's. And I'm going to just pee right out here in the street. And it usually leads to uh, worse behavior. And why should someone uh, 
uh, a woman taking kids to school or coming from school have to look at a person urinating in the street. It's, it's not, it's, it, we need a civilized society and we had one and now we don't anymore. So we got to go back to that, but you're making a lot of great points uh, about the quality of life issues in the city. Folks, this is police off the cuff, real crime stories. If you like this show, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, give us a thumbs up. And if you want to help us out by joining our Patreon, we have three different levels. And we also have our YouTube family. All the folks you see with the green font in the chat are part of our YouTube family. They support us on a monthly basis. We have five different levels of that. You know, we have a, Phil and I have a passion as well as do many people in the chat about New York City and the direction that it's going. And we don't like the direction it's going because crime is increasing. To the point where a lot of people that live in the outer boroughs may just decide not to go into New York City anymore. Um, public safety is an extremely important thing. And when you hear a lot of these people not on the same page with the police department, it's sort of disturbing. I, I want to play a little bit about these new um, neighborhood safety teams, which replace the old anti-crime. They're in uniform. And uh, we'll, we'll hear a little bit of this era of intelligence-based policing is beginning now in New York City with the deployment of the NYPD's new neighborhood safety teams. These hand-selected, highly trained officers integrate crime reduction, precision policing, and community engagement in a concentrated effort to remove illegal guns from our streets and to address all crime conditions that impact our public safety and quality of life. The teams will be focused in the handful of precincts and public housing areas that account for the vast majority of shootings in our city. This is a highly collaborative approach, which relies on strong communication between the police and the community we serve. After all, no one knows a neighborhood better than the people who live and work there, and no one has a greater stake in its security. We will work together at every turn and here's what New Yorkers can expect to see when their neighborhood safety teams are deployed across the city. A modified version of the NYPD uniform with clear, instantly recognizable markings that identify them as police officers. Body-worn cameras. And every vehicle will also be equipped with a dashboard-mounted camera. This is a reimagined, redesigned approach to suppressing violent street crime. And it starts with getting the right people to do the job. Officers and supervisors applying to the unit are extensively vetted, and their work history with the NYPD is thoroughly reviewed. Once selected, each member undergoes 50 hours of training over seven days, including training on the constitutional aspects of policing, specialized instruction in safety and tactics, law and policy, conflict resolution, de-escalation, and more. And the training continues with regularly scheduled refresher courses taught throughout the year. The NYPD and the people we serve are in this together. And we are of one mind. Violence and disorder should never be tolerated in our city. To that end, the neighborhood safety teams are the next component in the department's public safety mission because we will never stop fighting for New Yorkers. So there you have it, a little bit different than anti-crime. Uh, I think the, the department rolled that out pretty well. Um, 
I mean, you and I, of course, think they should be in plain clothes, but you could see the opposition they're up against when even progressives and ACLU types, they rail against this, even though this this unit's going to save lives by taking guns out of the hands of criminals. But that's not good enough for the ACLU and these progressive types. They want violence interrupters. I think it just is the fact that they... It's sort of a money grab. They want their friends to get the money meant for the police department, their violence interrupter friends, which has no basis in working. There's no statistics that say say that it works anywhere it's ever been tried. I think the uh, the modified uniform is going to be a uh, – it's going to satisfy a liability issue because in uh, recent past, uh, years back, uh, different shootings that occurred – uh, <clears throat> the defense was, well, I didn't know they were police officers. So I think they're going to eliminate that. Uh, it's all, also going to eliminate a liability, I guess, if there's uh, lawsuits. So I think that's the, the approach that they're taking. Uh, listen, I'm just happy that they're doing something about it. It's not what I would prefer. I would prefer, like you said, Billy, a plainclothes unit, anti-crime unit that we know uh, that we worked in. Um, they're not going to do that. They're going to do this. Okay, let's see how it works. Um, I really have to applaud the mayor and the police commissioner, uh, you know, like I said previously, uh, over the weekend, I saw that they were uh, taking apart, dismantling these homeless encampments around the city. Uh, and the mayor is right. You cannot have people living on the streets without places to shower, without places to go to the bathroom, without places to eat. Uh, you know, they, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Uh, he's addressing it. Uh, there's going to be some ACLU, ACLU challenges, and the ACLU seems to pick and choose uh, where they're going to, uh, you know, uh, apply pressure or they use their power. Uh, there's some issues where, uh, you know, cancel culture is canceling people out or canceling free speech, and they don't seem to be too quick to uh, defend that. However, uh, with these homeless issues and these crime issues and these, uh, you know, uh, uh, quality of life uh, policies that are going to be enacted. They want to challenge them. They're quick to jump on that. Uh, but I don't think they have a leg to stand on. And I also really believe that once we see the change, when people can get on a subway and they're not going to be encountered by uh, panhandlers, homeless EDPs, emotionally disturbed people, uh, violence, uh, you know, people having sex in the subway right out in the open, urinating, defecating, uh, when the, the changes start to be seen by the people, they're going to embrace it. Uh, you know, when you come out of the subway and you're walking to work and you're walking down the street and there's a homeless encampment with uh, somebody living in there and, you know, God only knows the, the, the stuff that's going to be from urinating and defecating, like I said, not having a place to shower, to, to go to the bathroom. So when people see that gone, they're going to be more embraceive to these policies. And I think uh, I'm hoping and keeping my fingers crossed that uh, we're going to continue with this and hopefully maybe we can go back to the fully plainclothes uh, anti-crime units that will even remove more guns off the streets. And uh, then maybe children can go back and forth to a daycare without having to dodge bullets. Lieutenant Pete, even in the bag, Bill, which is that's cop lingo for in uniform, you guys, in case you didn't know, even in the bag, Bill, Phil, legal aggressive patrol, well-supervised will help. Absolutely. Uh, Jamie Pimentel, good to see you, buddy. Uh, yes, plain clothes with shield around neck or clipped on belt and color of the day. Yeah, you know, hopefully they'll bring that back one day because it's very, very effective. But for now, you could see 
the pushback they're getting now, even with uh, these neighborhood safety units. And, and this is the reason these neighborhood safety units, in the two months that uh, Adams has been mayor, these are February's crime statistics in the seven majors. It's up 58.7%. He doesn't want that to be his legacy. People are trying to come back to New York City to work their jobs. They don't want to come back because they don't feel safe getting on the subway. It's a huge thing. Um, the uh, the seven this fifty eight point seven percent is um, robbery fifty up fifty six percent grand larceny up seventy nine point two grand larceny auto one hundred four point seven percent murder ten point three percent rape thirty five point four assault twenty two point three and burglary forty three point nine. I think what we need there is just violence interrupters will change <laughs> all of this. You yeah, know, so pathetic that they even talk that nonsense. You know, I and I really do believe it's a they're just trying to move the money, take the money away from the police department and give it to their friends. I think that's what it's all about. You know, it's a money grab. I was just gonna say and that, I would please. really like to know who are these people? Who are these violence interrupters? She named all these, you know, all these names that I've never heard of, but who are they individually? Do they have education? Do they have training? Or are they just former gangbangers? You know, I'd, li- I'd really like to know that. I'd like to know how much do they get paid? what it, And what is there? How do they track them to see whether they're successful or not? What is success with a violence interrupter? How do you measure it? You know what, Billy? If they're so interested in, uh, in bringing down crime in the black and brown communities, well, if they want to volunteer to do these things, if they want to have programs that are monitored by the police department. You know, we cannot have violence interrupters get into the middle of a confrontation when police officers are trying to make an arrest. Okay. That's number one. Number two, uh, like you said, who are they? They have to be vetted. We can't have these people, uh, you know, involved in law enforcement to a degree that, you know, they could have long criminal records. They could be felons. They could even be wanted. You know, we can't just start throwing money into these violence interrupters uh, when we defunded a billion dollars from the NYPD. Let's start with, uh, if you want to have a volunteer program, maybe, look, we've talked about uh, the kids in the boxing program with our friend uh, through Tommy Dades and Patty Russo. That is one of the the most successful uh, uh, community outreach programs for youth Uh, It's got statistics that show that they took these kids who were in the inner city that were very prone and likely to go into gangs. They removed them from that and they made them uh, successful by being part of this cops and kids program with the boxing. So, you know, those type of programs, I'm 100 percent for them. But these violence violence interrupters, uh, if you want to have a volunteer program, you want to try it, but you cannot get in the way of police action. When police are making an arrest, we cannot have people getting in the way. And I think Mayor Adams, I'm going to applaud him again. He talked about how the people are getting into the cops' faces with cell phones while they're making an arrest. He said, you can clearly videotape from a distance away. He's right about that. We cannot have that. It's ridiculous. And we see it time and time and time again. And in our time on the job, if somebody got in the middle of an arrest situation and they interfered, we would arrest them too. It doesn't seem to be happening today. Uh, you cannot, you know, a, a police officer is making split second decisions and he's he's trying to keep himself and the public safe. And if you have a person getting in the middle of it, distracting him, he could be hurt. 
the, the person can be hurt and the public at large can be hurt. So we don't want that. Uh, Mayor Adams is right on that. Stay back with your cell phones. Go across the street. You could film all you want. And and the officers are wearing body cameras anyhow. So it's really just something that's going to, you know, interfere with uh, a legal arrest. Not only urinating, but IV drug abuse is also happening in the open in of front course. of apartment buildings, on the trains and near the schools. I witnessed IV addicts shooting at night under streetlights. You know, that that's that's a whole you know, it's all hand in hand with lax policing and or, and or no policing because uh, people are pushing for it. Phil, you want to just give this a quick read? Sure. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you can email Joe at <clears throat> Excuse me, Joe at jmurray-law.com. Folks, the score, the, the secret to quickly hiring the best police officers before your competition does. With an extremely limited job candidate pool, law enforcement agencies have to quickly identify and hire qualified police officers before another agency does. That's why nearly 70 U.S. agencies have updated their hiring process to include iDetect, a fast, affordable, non-invasive, unbiased, and automated lie detector. It accurately identifies lies by watching the eyes. Eye detect also helps solve crimes. CEO Todd Mickelson shared his stories the other night about how eye detect is changing the way the world detects deception. Remember, the eyes don't lie. You can contact Converis.com, 1-801-331-8840, or email them at info converse.com to find out this fascinating technology and to become part of it. Those are two great sponsors, Billy. Bill, uh, uh, Joe Murray, obviously uh, he's been on the show. His credibility and his expertise as a lawyer is none better. And that was such a great show that we did the other night with uh, Todd Nicholson, uh, uh, Mickelson, excuse me. I believe that that, uh, that technology is probably going to be uh, very, very useful in the future going forward. It was absolutely intriguing to say so. Two 100%. great sponsors that we have. It's, um, this is another reason why they're going to this program because um, – Mayor Adams is Maringoff says that after 10 weeks in right office, now. Eric Adams is still in the honeymoon phase of his mayoralty. 61% of New Yorkers approve of the job he's doing, 24% disapprove, 15% are unsure. But the results are not a total reason to start popping champagne corks. 49% of city residents think the city is moving in the right direction, 42% say it's moving in the wrong direction. And when the question was asked in 2017 under the extremely unpopular bill of Blasio, 46% said right direction, 43% said wrong direction. What could move the needle in either direction for the mayor is whether he gets a handle on crime and makes the streets safer. Since he took office, it seems like there's been one high-profile crime after another. This surveillance video of a man police say is going around shooting homeless people is just the latest incident. Two cops have been killed, others have been shot and wounded. A 19-year-old cashier at a Burger King was shot and killed, and on and on and on.
The city pinning its hopes on the first wave of neighborhood safety teams that started working today in areas of the city with high gun crime. They have been specially trained to prevent the aggressive and some say abusive tactics of the old anti-crime units that were abolished by Mayor de Blasio in the wake of the defund the police movement. We actually had to take a look at the mistakes of the past and what we needed to change. The officers are being trained in the Constitution, in community interaction, car stops, the use of force. Maris pollsters asked New Yorkers their opinions of how the mayor is handling a number of issues. Crime got the lowest scores. 64 61% give a thumbs up on handling relations between cops and the community. 55% this is great on schools. 53% on handling crime. These numbers could change um, because not solid. Crime's a big deal in New York City and what's been going on is certainly the kind of thing that he's going to have to uh, address uh, and uh, you know, assuage people's worries. When fully operational, the new anti-crime teams will be in 30 neighborhoods and several public housing projects that account for 80% of the gun violence. As of the first week in March, major crimes are up 47% since Adams took office. Dan so there you have it. That's why I think he's doing it, because his polling numbers are uh, going down right now. And uh, admittedly, he's had a tough... Um, first couple of months with the, the murders of the two Mora and Rivera in the 3-2 precinct. Uh, other officers shot. Uh, the, the East Harlem girl killed in a Burger King. I mean, he's had some horrendous crimes happen in his short tenure as mayor so far. All you have to do is put on the news at noon, 6, 11, whatever time of the day. And uh, really, I think uh, Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, which I wish that war ended this very minute. I don't want to see anyone die. However, it's been really sucking up all of the media attention. But if you look at the, you know, the second or third segment of, of uh, the news, you'll see uh, the local news, you'll see that crime in New York City is just out of control. The violence is out of control. And, you know, we have those. I think they're talking about 400 offices that are going to concentrate in 30 areas of the city. I would like to see the neighborhood safety teams throughout the whole city. Uh, and there's one thing that that uh, that woman, Caban, failed to mention. Of those 400 offices, and I hope not one of them has one hair harmed on their head, but there's a good chance that someone may be injured and, God forbid, God forbid, killed in the line of duty. But this is what these officers do. You put on your bulletproof vest, you put on your uniform, you put on your badge, you put on your gun, and you go to work, and it's – uh, a life of service, you're servicing people that you don't know, uh, they're strangers to you, but this is what we do as New York City police officers, police officers across the country, and you go to work knowing that your guarantee to come home is not there. There is no guarantee, and I hope and pray that every one of these offices are safe. Uh, I hope that there's no screw-ups where anyone uh, innocently gets hurt, but they're going to do the job. They accept that fact that that's what we do as police officers. And uh, she won't talk about it. Come on. The ACL won't talk about it. But we did bury two officers earlier in the year uh, that were actually, I would say, executed. And we've had it before. Uh, just wearing that uniform as a target on your back. And uh, the abuse that you take along the way. And uh, God forbid being killed. But they don't want to focus on that. They just want to defund us. And they want crime to. They want it to be the Wild West. Uh, I think people are fed up. Uh, and the real people of the city that have common sense know that this is uh, a needed tool uh, to combat violent crime in New York City and across the country.
Folks, tomorrow night we have a real amazing show. Uh, we're going to focus on domestic violence because it's a topic that many of you have asked us to do. And we have uh, a guest, Leslie Morgan Steiner, who's an author, a public speaker, a mom, and a, a domestic violence survivor. And she's going to join topic expert Dr. Deborah Goodman. And we're going to highlight the cases of uh, Gabby Petito and also a case from New York City from back in, I believe it was 1986 or 87, had a Nussbaum, which became um, uh, basically a poster child of domestic violence when her husband, uh, Joel Steinberg, killed their daughter, their illegally adopted daughter, and on the way to killing his daughter, uh, uh, beat had a Nussbaum just about every day of her life. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to take a deep dive into that, and uh, hopefully it'll be a super interesting show. So uh, tune into that tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Phil? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a good one. I'm very, very uh, delighted that, that we're going to have that show. Uh, I think domestic violence is obviously a, it's been a, a big problem uh, in our uh, in our history in the city, uh, and I think that uh, there's never enough of a light shining on it. Uh, if there's one victim of domestic violence, that's one too many. So any spotlight that we're going to be able to shine on it. Uh, I think is a good thing. And uh, that was a horrific case. You, you and I were both on the job when that took place. And uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, Joel, Joel Steinberg is walking free today, uh, which I think is a ridiculous thing. And uh, we'll discuss it. We're going to take it apart. I think it's going to be a great show. And I think we're going to have uh, great, great dialogue with a person who is a survivor of domestic violence. So we're going to have our law enforcement input. We're going to have a survivor who actually lived through it. And uh, it should be a very interesting conversation. Folks, thank you so much for listening today on this Sunday afternoon. And as I said, we'll, hopefully we'll see you tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Have a great day, everyone. And thanks again. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just